Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the second episode this week of the Life as Leadership Podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing the interview that we had on Monday with Greg Nance. And joining me back in the studio to discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Thomas Tubby, Parker Batista, and Maria Hardiman. What did y'all think about the episode? I loved how Greg, in his own words, helped us understand that we need to risk more. Risk more. Do more. It's okay. Um, I felt really inspired to to honestly just do more. He said today, why not choose today to do something, care more? And I love his enthusiasm behind all that he talked about. But that was something that I really took away. That's a good word. And it's worth uh, thinking about for those of you listening to the episode right now and those of you sitting around this table right here. Since Monday's episode, have you actually risked something? It's an interesting question to think about. Parker, what did you think? Yeah, I really liked it. I really liked what he said about just start now. Start now, and you might not feel ready, but just go ahead and go for it um, and just fall forward. Like if you're going to go, go now and don't wait. And if you're going to fail, uh, just figure out what happened and do it uh, different next time and go for it. Yeah, how about you, Tubby? Uh, so I really just love the passion that he had for the work that he does. I think in today's society, it's easy to see people get really bogged down in the jobs they do and uh, just be complacent. And he had no complacency in his life at any aspect of it. So it was really cool to see that passion. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that Greg said was that China was an interest for him since he was a kid. And through college, he talked about that a little bit. And today he has a company, Daya.com, in Shanghai. And so I kind of wanted to throw out this question to you at the very beginning. Can you identify things in your life that were interests in the past that have developed into something more today? Yeah, I would say, uh, one, I didn't know it at the time, but growing up, I always enjoyed kind of sitting with people through difficult situations and kind of sorting out the gray area of their life and never knew really know why. And people came to me and didn't really understand that. But now I'm in a graduate program for counseling and it's really what I like to do. And my feet hit the floor in the morning. I'm, I'm always excited to go see those people and talk with them throughout the difficult situations in their life and be with them. And it's really kind of come full circle to what I was passionate about for Really a long time, but just recently figured it out. Tubby, Maria, either of y'all experienced that in the past? Yeah, that reminds me. Um, my dad spent a significant amount of time in prison. And growing up, even as a young child, I felt a grace to just talk to people who were in bad situations. And so um, not feeling any fear with that and just being able to reach them where they are and inviting them, you know, kind of into my life. Now I'm a house mother for a group home where I live. And so I'm around people who are caught in these kind of situations. So it looks like whenever I was younger, that kind of sparked an interest. And I still have that grace to talk with people and be around people who maybe others might be a little afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm going into the profession of physical therapy and um, I've always been interested in sports and like the way the human body moves and works. So it's just something that has been with me 
ever since I was young and now I'm getting to see it kind of play out in what I'm going to do for my profession. And I think that's really cool. So I'd like to know, Greg talked about how influential it is when we have a leader who has confidence in us to maybe finish or do a task that we don't think we're capable of. But when they put that confidence in us, it helps us accomplish that task. So my question is, have you guys ever had someone where you felt like, because you think I can do it, I'll just trust that and and do it? I feel like the clearest example for that in my life, and I think, I hope in a lot of people's lives, maybe not everyone's, is my parents. Just they, yeah. they believe in you to, to do things that you probably aren't ready to do. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's a mark of a good leader and a good parent as well to be able to let your kids fail in that. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for those times that um, I was allowed to, to do things and, and fail. And they were there to support, but not necessarily to, to baby me along the way. For me, it was uh, as a ninth grade kid um, in playing junior high football, I was really short. I was probably like five eight, and I was pretty chubby, like not very athletic. But I loved football and wanted to play. But I had good footwork. That's the one thing I had going for me. I didn't have a lot of speed, didn't have a lot of height. And I had one coach who noticed me and noticed I could run routes pretty well, and said, "Thomas, really stick with it. You know, keep developing your footwork, and the speed and the height will come." And um, he was right. It eventually mm-hmm. came. And so he believed in me, you know, when no, nobody else did. And I. We'll always appreciate him for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think for me, too, as a baseball coach in high school that had a ton of belief in me and probably a little bit too much, but because of that, (laughs) I think I was able to do things uh, because of that confidence that he had in me that I wouldn't have tried or I wouldn't have been willing to kind of put it out there without that confidence in me, and he let me fail and he gave me space to do that, Um, and I'm really grateful that he he was willing and able to give me that opportunity. Yeah, and I think another thing, just thinking from a leader's mindset, it's important to make sure that if you are empowering people to do things, that you make sure that they do have the tools and the training that they need. Last week, we heard from Brian Tibbs. He said, when people, especially younger people, have the tools and the training they need, they can do amazing things. And so as a leader, it's really important to make sure that you don't just put people out there, um, but you actually give them the tools and the training they need. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to always feel prepared entirely because who who feels entirely prepared when they're doing right. something new and different? <laughs> but make sure that you've done what you can, what, what you need to do to help them get ready for whatever's next. Another thing he said is best team wins. I think he may have even said that, that a couple times in the interview. And he, he, he kind of came off of this and said his strength was bringing together great people and casting a vision and kind of gathering resources for new things to start up and to flourish. That was his strength. And what I wanted to see is what do you think your strengths are as a leader? Because he knew what his strengths were and he kind of gathered a team together to complement those. So what are your strengths as a leader and what types of people would be the first people you would bring on a team to help you out and to make sure that you functioned at a high level? I think one of my strengths as a leader is I'm pretty detail oriented. So, um, and I, I consider myself to be a hard worker. So if you give me a task, I will put all of my effort into that task to see it through to the end. I think where I struggle at times is I focus on too many details. So I'll spread myself then. So if I were to, I guess, recruit a team, I would, uh, bring somebody in who is more focused and driven in that aspect that could keep me focused, I guess. So somebody who has a 
the big picture in mind because I can get caught in the, you know, the little things mm. that go on like day to day. Yeah, it's funny because people usually it's the people with the big vision that need someone details focused to, to come in and keep them focused. It's kind of interesting how you're saying you need someone with the big vision to kind of remind mm. you, hey, this is why we're doing mm. what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I think personally um, as a leader, I think I focus on the process and doing the process well instead of the goal. I think it's easy to get a focus on the goal. And if the goal doesn't happen in the same way or the same time frame that you want it to, you get distracted. And I think if you put that process in place and work that process, a lot of times you reach the goal that you want to reach, but it's not goal oriented. It's process oriented. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is when I was thinking about who I would hire, if I was putting together a team is I don't like the details. So I would hire someone that is detail oriented. So (laughs) with that being said, we got a synergy working up right here. Yeah. (laughs) Maria? Yeah, I really enjoy accommodating the the vision. I wouldn't consider myself a big vision person or a detail-oriented person. I really enjoy um, hosting. So if that looks like we're going to do something, all right, let's make sure the sandwiches are provided kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy making sure that the atmosphere is, is fun and enjoyable and sustainable. So that would probably be my biggest strength is just bringing comfort and joy to the process. I would also hire a person who's detail-oriented and goal-oriented in general so that way we can actually reach our goal. It's so important to make sure that you do have that person who can make people feel comfortable because so often you you go into a new situation and... Everyone's just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to make the first <laughs> yeah. move, Wait, waiting for someone to kind of ease everything over. And the first person that does that, at least for a little bit, is the leader in the room. Everyone's looking to that person. So that's definitely a, a really amazing trait to have that not a lot of people do. For me, it's more of, uh, I think, long term, I think years in advance. That's just kind of like my resting thought process. Sometimes I can not be as detailed oriented as I'd like to be. I, I like to think of myself as a details guy in some things and in some ways I am. But as far as planning things out well, Greg talked about planning your day and things like that. I know it's so important. <laughs> I don't do the best job at it. I have everything in my mind that's usually happening each week. But as far as really methodically working through those things, that's an area where I definitely need to be growing. You mentioned that it made me think of something that I struggled with in college, which was time management and uh, planning out. Like you said, you need to plan out things and plan out your day. But I found I would get so focused on the planning that I missed even doing anything because I spent so much time planning ahead. You know, so I think there's there does have to be a balance there between planning what you're going to do and, you know, finding your purpose. What are the steps I'm going to take to get to that purpose? Mm-hmm. And then like actually taking steps eventually. You have to actually take the steps at some point. So. For sure. It's a mixed bag. In college, I had my day planned out so much that I wouldn't, you know, stop and smell the roses, so to speak. I'd be going from one thing to the mm-hmm. next. And so I kind of pulled back from that. There's definitely a balance that needs to take place in your life. Definitely. Yeah. I think I was on the other end of the spectrum. I didn't even get a planner or use any kind of planner until <laughs> graduate school. Uh, so I never thought about kind of what the next step was past what I was doing. I just did what I was doing and lived in the moment a little bit too much and kind of suffered some side effects (laughs) from that. So one of the things Greg talked about was a leadership pipeline. Optimally, leaders should have an idea of who's coming after them and should be working to help those people along kind of the training and tools we talked about earlier. We may not be in that situation where we've had the opportunity to train up a lot of leaders behind us. There may be some situations in which we have. Tubby, you talked about being an RA. It's possible 
in the course of a year to kind of raise up someone, kind of hand select someone that you would like and kind of train them up. There's no no guarantee they'll get the job, but it's possible to have a leadership pipeline like that. Mm -hmm. But even if you haven't had the opportunity to train leaders and to kind of create that leadership pipeline, have there been people in your lives where you can say they did a great job of training up leaders to come behind them? I I would say yes. I've I've seen leaders before who maybe they didn't even know, kind of like you said, if they were going to train someone who was going to excel 100% in whatever they were being trained in. But that particular leader said yes to deciding to invest in someone. And so that's kind of what my mentality is now is if somebody asked for my mentorship, if somebody asks for, for discipleship, if somebody asks for advice, instead of being hesitant, I'm quick to say yes, because you never know what can come from that. So not living out of fear, but already living in a place of confidence and saying, hey, this is what it's about, training others and sharing maybe some of the knowledge that we know or some of the lessons that we've learned. And I think an important aspect of the leadership pipeline of bringing up somebody to take your place, you know, in a leadership position is it is a very selfless thing to think of because mm-hmm. I think as leaders, you can get caught up in, you know, how you're perceived as a leader and, and you know, I want to be the best leader and, you know, you get caught up in this idea of what people have of you and it's, you, you get so caught up in yourself that you miss the more important aspect, which is the organization that you are a part of and how is this going to sustain after I'm gone mm. instead of being so focused on yourself. So I think that's an important thing to think about is the selflessness and letting go of pride that is of the leadership pipeline of bringing somebody else up. Yeah, is it important that you are the leader or is it important that the organization exactly. continues with a good leader? Because yes. if you're too focused on being the leader, then whenever you're gone, who knows what happens? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I think about the leaders that really wanted to replicate uh, their model and their mission that they're going off after, they're mission-oriented and others-focused instead of what do I look like, what do I get out of this, and what does this look like for me? Right. One example I think of when you think of the leadership pipeline and bringing up leaders behind you is um, I was a part of a program uh, that put on a dance marathon that benefited one of the local hospitals here, a children's hospital, Batson Children's Hospital in Jackson. And so this particular dance marathon required a lot of logistics, a lot of planning. And a big thing is we wanted to sustain this marathon after every year. So, you know, in college, there's so much, you know, people graduate and leaders leave. And so we had to train the incoming freshmen to be the eventual leaders of this marathon. So, you know, that's, it was a very focused, like we were focused on making the event happen and being successful, but also in the back of our minds, we were thinking, okay, who are going to be the leaders that take over this marathon next year and how are we going to prepare them to succeed and be, and do even better than we did this year. Yeah. And that example, along with the RA example, I kind of talked about a second ago, kind of uh, highlights the fact that college is a great incubator for leaders because you have a, a life cycle of four years, right? And so you come in as a freshman and you leave as a senior, sometimes that's five or six years, you know, <laughs> so uh, a time uh, maturation period of four to six years and it's your responsibility as the leaders at the end to make sure that it continues on. Now, thankfully there's administration and people like that, but it's really important to make sure that you as a leader in college have someone come behind you who can do the job. Well, mm-hmm. one question I wanted to ask was about passion. Cause Greg seemed like he had a lot of passion about, you know, educational access. So my question was what, moment did you have like Greg did where you noticed this is what I'm passionate about you know his was when he was running Chicago and saw the guys on the corner dealing drugs he's like how are they there and I'm here with all you know this is a great opportunity so what was your moment where you're like wow this is something that I really want to do and aspire for I can say that there has been a tug on my heart for internationals 
um, people who are from different cultures or different nations. And there was a moment where I felt like the Lord was inviting me into um, a nursing program to be a nurse. And there was a moment where I saw how much and how far nursing can go when you're serving people. It doesn't matter who they are, you know, what language they speak, but it's, it's the body is universal. So I remember watching a video and I saw kind of like an elderly lady who was impacted by a nurse who spoke a different language and it was from a totally different culture. And I knew at that moment, I said, that's it. That's what the Lord is asking of me. It touched all areas of my life. And I knew that I was going to be passionate about nursing. And so that's what I'm looking forward to now. Yeah, mine came, I think I like working with teenagers and adolescents. And I remember a moment where I realized that I could do it every day and not be worn out by it Mm -hmm. and not get burned out by it. And kind of heard the phrase of, you know, if you find what you're passionate about, you never have to work a day in your life and always kind of thought that was not true. Um, (laughs) And then found out that lo and behold, it was or can be or can be true. Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) So that was kind of my moment in realizing that I was excited to do it every day that I woke up, whether I did it all day long, the day before or not. I'm going to be the outlier here because what I've seen in my life is that I'll, I'll get to a point and then there'll be some next step that just seems so natural that a little while ago I would never have perhaps even considered. And so I don't think that there's a single point that I can say, hey, this is what's got me here. For Greg, that was definitely true. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it, it's it's been so strange, but it's like I, I'll go for a couple of years, and then the next step is like, well, obviously it's this thing. But I look back maybe even a few months ago, wasn't even thinking that way. Yeah. That's just kind of how it's been for me. So I I've adopted a position where I try to just prepare Mm -hmm. as much as possible and just see what happens (laughs) and try to be ready for whatever opportunities arise. So I guess to that end, another interesting thing to bring up is Greg's focus on growth. One of the things he talked about was reading a book a week. I think he said trying to read a book a week. (laughs) Um, but even that is tough. Do y'all do a lot of reading? I have recently become a reader. I can say that. Okay. Um, I The reason why I know, I didn't even know myself, but I had a friend who was talking about me and she says, oh, Maria reads all the time. And I thought, do I? <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and I was very proud of myself. I knew that in my personal life, um, anytime I started feeling anxiety or like I had some questions that weren't really answered, I just decided to read and breathe and just decide to fill my head with, with more knowledge and, and learn. And so um, I don't read a book a week that I do not read a book a week, but I have read a book and a half in the past week and a half. I can say that. So I'm trying Mm -hmm. to be a better reader. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people out there do like to read books. They just don't. So I don't know. Are yes. are y'all like that or do you do you I do a lot of reading? I'm in that camp. Yeah. I am not a daily, <laughs> weekly, anything reader. Um I'm in professional school. I'm in physical therapy school. So we have so much required study time and reading that it's hard to find my own personal time to do it. Yeah, I am a reader, but it's kind of because I have to be. So I kind of have an excuse there. Uh, I did not. I probably read 10 books in the first two decades of my life. And then just the nature of the school that I'm in now, I feel like I read, I don't think a book a week, but probably a book a month or Mm -hmm. a book every few weeks. Yeah, I think anyone who's in school gets a bit of a pass if they're not doing any other reading. 
But uh, at least if you're in school, do some of your school reading. That's important. That's kind of, <laughs> sure. that's kind of where I am right now. There are a couple other things that I'll do. And uh, right now I'm actually listening. I have an Audible account. I'm listening to Atlas Shrugged, which is like a 50-something hour book. So I'll be working on that one for a little while uh, <laughs> on audiobook. But if you're not a reader, and even if you are, what are some other things that you do to make sure that you're constantly growing, challenging yourself, uh, becoming a better person, and hopefully a better leader? I know one thing that I do, this is just very practical, getting rid of things that I don't need, right? So that could be clothes, that could be just things that I've accumulated over time and just allowing myself to say, okay, today's the day, get rid of it. Allow myself to make room for new things or make room for adjustments, you know, in my life. Is this a recent thing or has this been a pre-Marie Kondo? I can honestly tell you that I, throughout my life, there have been days where it's like, I'm getting rid of a garbage bag full of clothes today, or I'm getting rid of a garbage bag full of something. So I've practiced this for the last 10 years. Do you thank each article of clothing though? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That, that's the part that you're missing. That's funny. How about, how about y'all too? I think uh, for me, it's people overlook the, the, the necessity and the reward that community service can bring about, like the leadership opportunities it can bring about in and of itself. Not only are you getting to help the community you live in, but a lot of times those service opportunities will challenge you in ways that you didn't even know were possible. You have, you meet people that you wouldn't have met if you hadn't have done it, mm-hmm. which challenges your interpersonal skills, you know, and that's, that's the way you grow and learn how to connect with people. Cause that's really what leadership's about is connecting with people and learning how to lead people through connections with them. So I think community service is a great way to kind of do that. That's something our school requires and I'm thankful they do because it definitely, if I didn't have that, I would get bogged down in my studies and like not ever interact with anybody. So Well, and that social aspect is really important. Um, he talked about the gentleman who has been his mentor, who we met in the airport, yes. uh, the leader of the organization that, that was uh, yes. for Israel. Yeah. Uh, and he, he talked about luck surface area spreading out your opportunity to have quote unquote good luck for opportunity to arise. And there's definitely something to that. If you're going to continue to grow, make sure that you have that social aspect of your life going for you as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that's helped me that I've done recently is kind of have like a weekly, monthly and, and kind of yearly check in with myself to say like, am I actually working towards the goals that I want to work towards? Because I think sometimes I can kind of get off on a rabbit trail for a while and think, why am I dedicating time, money and resources towards this goal that I never really set out to accomplish, but kind of became the goal along the way. And then just kind of rerouting, you know, towards that goal and that being a constant process. Yeah. For me, podcasts are a huge thing. I have been able to grow so much by listening to the insight from other people and it's in a number of different subjects, not just leadership. I just, I love learning and growing and you can learn and grow from the people around you for sure. But to have so much access to so much insight is really amazing. In addition to that, obviously working on school right now, that's a, that's an avenue for growth for anyone who's in some sort of academic program. But those, those are two things that have been really helpful for me. I'm one of those people that I'm always looking for something to learn. So I guess it's good that I have the doctoral program in front of me, but I'm always looking for something. So even when I'm, when I'm done with that, there's going to be something new. I, I just love learning new things mm-hmm. and you need to be strategic in what you do grow toward, because if it's not actually helping you to become better at something that you are doing, then you got to kind of question, maybe there's value in doing it just to do it. But ultimately you want these things to kind of work together to help you be a better person Mm -hmm. and a better leader. Definitely. Well, let's go ahead and go to our key takeaways for the day. There were a lot of really great things in this interview, but what would y'all say are the most 
important things to highlight from this interview. Parker, what would you say? Yeah, I would say, what is the one thing uh, that you would change if you had the power to change it instantly? And, and what are you passionate about? And what's keeping you back from kind of working towards that goal, even if it's small steps? Like you said, growth is kind of imperceptible. It's kind of like a tree growing where you can't watch it grow. But 10 years later, it's going to be a lot different than it started. So what are you passionate about? Uh, what's keeping you from going at that goal? And you know, maybe an internal look at your fear of failure. Uh, what does it mean about you and, and what's holding you back in that way? Hmm. Yeah. And that could be kind of a, those are deep questions that can be scary ones to ask yourself and to really kind of get to the bottom of for, I, for sure. I think they're necessary. Uh, when you talk about leaders to say, you know, what would it mean for me to look like, I don't know what I'm doing in this situation, but still lead these people into the unknown. Yeah. For me, one big takeaway was, you know, we talked a little bit just now about personal growth and I, I liked what he mentioned about, you know, going back to the team wins, the best team wins. And uh, part of that is finding, he said, seeking environments that help you grow. So surround yourself with people who are wanting to grow themselves and they're in or kind of motivating you to grow as well. We didn't get really to touch on it, but I loved that uh, phrase. He said, sometimes we can surround ourselves with the wrong people Mm -hmm. that, you know, don't have drive, don't have motivation. And we can kind of get, you know, like brought into that lifestyle, I guess, in that way of life. And I think it's so important to really surround yourself with people who want to grow with you and want to motivate you to grow and encourage you to grow as well. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. I love when he said life is so much fun when we're living it to the fullest. And that just goes back to kind of what you mentioned about not having fear or at least being able to recognize that fear and say, I want to get over this. I want to be able to accomplish what I've set out to accomplish. And so I like that he reiterated that again. And that's really what spoke volumes to me because it is about living life to the fullest and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this today. I'm not going to have any fear in doing it. And that can be a challenging thing to do for sure. Yeah. So there are three for me. The first one is don't underestimate the power of a team. And as a leader, the importance of making sure that you have the right team members to join you. At the same time, be very intentional about your leadership pipeline. And then the final thing is luck surface area. Initiate the conversation. When you're standing in line, be that person who reaches out first. Mm -hmm. Put yourself out there, follow up, and good things will come from that. Well, Tubby, Parker, Maria, thanks so much for joining me this week. Thanks Thanks for for having us. us. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this week's interview with someone you think would benefit from it. Or three, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading well.